You're listening to Beyond Numbers, a podcast by Zero for accountants and bookkeepers. In this series, you'll hear from leaders within some of the accounting industry's pace-setting firms who will share news, views, and creative solutions so you can step away with some inspiration or new ideas to take back to your own business. We are back for season two of Beyond Numbers, and I'm so pleased to kick things off on the topic of social media in the accounting and bookkeeping space. I was joined by Jess Lee, Zero's Senior Social Media Marketing Manager, and Stuart Hurst, Director of Accounts and Legal, a Zero Platinum Partner. If you're part of the accounting industry and you've not heard of Stuart Hurst, I'm going to assume you've been living under a rock. Stuart has quite possibly the most unique approach to social media the accounting community has seen and has been making waves across the industry with his TikTok videos and his strong opinions on the accountants of yesteryear. And as an expert on social media marketing, having worked with brands big and small, Zero's Jess Lee has some practical advice on why it's so important to use social media as a way to connect with your audience, to stand out from the crowd, and to stop the scroll. So whether you want to become an accounting industry TikTok star or you just want to promote your brand and use social media to win with clients, Stuart and Jess have a load of advice and nuggets of wisdom on how to reach your goals. Stuart, I'm so pleased to have you on the podcast today talking about social media. The Accounts and Legal TikTok uh, account that you post from is seriously out of this world. (laughs) Um, I don't think I've ever before seen an accountant or bookkeeper doing such crazy things on on social media Um, and I can't wait to hear about your strategy so welcome to Beyond Numbers. Thank you very much it's lovely to be here. Cool and we're joined by Jess Lee who's Zero's amazing senior social media manager for the UK and EMEA region. I'm really happy to get you on the podcast Jess before you head off on maternity leave. Yes. Um, Congratulations and welcome to Beyond Numbers from the inside. Thank you for having me. Um, by the time this podcast goes live, <laughs> it'll be a mini you hanging yeah. out in your house. How yeah. cool is that? Crazy. Cool, cool. So, Stuart, let's hear from you first. We've got you along today to talk about your experience using social media as a tool to support your role in accountancy. But do you want to start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your role in, in your firm? Yeah, sure. So, um, I'm Director at Accounts and Legal, um, which is now 50 strong uh, peeps, four offices across the UK. And I I always just say I'm the glorified cheerleader, really, that just, just keeps pushing the, the vision, the culture, and, and wanting to change people's lives and try and inspire the the squad, really. And a, and a chunk of that is the is the social media arm and marketing side of things, really, of, of the direction that we go in and, and the way that we serve our clients, really. Brilliant. I love that. And Jess, you've been at Zero for a couple of years now managing our social channels here in the UK. Um, prior to that, you were a social media consultant, right? Yeah, so I've been in social media for, oh God, I lose count, probably like eight years, eight plus years. I started my career in marketing, um, ended up specializing in social media and have worked on a vast array of brands from like big corporates, B2C, B2B, um, and a lot of small businesses as well, which is why I love working at Zero and um, being able to manage Zero social media. Um, when I first joined Zero eight years ago, I helped manage social media accounts. And the first thing I noticed was just how active our community was on social. Um, back then, it was all about Twitter and a little bit of Facebook eventually for business. But things have evolved a lot more now with LinkedIn, and um, which is a lot more active. And then, of course, there's... Instagram and TikTok. 
Jess, what was your first impression of the accounting and bookkeeping industry across social media when you first joined Zero? I was surprised at how passionate our um, accounting and bookkeeping community was on social media, which is like, as a social media manager, that's the dream, right? Having these people that are passionate about your brand and, and want to shout about it on social media. So that was like a really pleasant surprise to see accountants and bookkeepers shouting about zero, shouting about cloud accounting, um, and just this beautiful, positive, I guess, like just a, a really nice community online. Nice. So let's talk a bit about platforms. Stuart, you're an avid TikTok user now. You posted a great video a couple of years ago, which I think was your first on TikTok for Accounts and Legal, of you dancing to a Panic at the Disco song. Indeed. In front of photos from Zero Events. Loved it. What got you started using TikTok of all platforms? Um, My, at the time, five-year-old niece got me started on TikTok. So she's a rubbish dancer, don't get me wrong. But... (laughs) She managed to put a video together of, of dancing accordingly, but the effects on it were really cool. And I just thought, like, if this if a five-year-old can manage to do that in in 30 seconds, like, I'm, I'm missing a trick here, really, in terms of why am I not using it? Because at the time, some of my videos were were more, yeah, creative and took hours sometimes to do on a, do on a MacBook, do properly through all the backgrounds and all that kind of, kind of jazz. And so it was, it was pure... Um, just speed and ease really that drove me to it. And I did the first TikTok one when Rishi was announcing um, with all the furlough and all the COVID things. And I did one about waiting for his announcement to um, Sandstorm Daruda, if memory serves correct. And I posted that and it just went crazy. Like it got um, like over 100,000 views on it, comments. And I just thought, well, like, let's keep going. <laughs> yeah, amazing. So TikTok is predominantly used by millennials and Gen Z and apparently five-year-olds. Um, but older generations are getting nearly as hooked on it now too. Are you getting business leads from TikTok? Uh, yeah, so both uh, business leads and, and staffing-wise tends to be the biggest um, positive. We've already had a few staff members come directly from TikTok, which I think is pretty cool really. Like um, In itself is a cracking return investment. And I think it's just you can show a different side of yourself on, on that platform and be a bit zanier, push the boundaries a little bit further than you can on some of the other other platforms. So it, it works really well for, for, for those kind of people. Yeah, awesome. Um, and it's clearly working for you at Accounts and Legal because you've posted 113 videos, I counted, since August 2020. Um, and I've done the mess for everyone. It's more than one a week, if there's anyone listening that particularly likes numbers. Stuart, how do you find the time, though, to create all this content and stay up to date on all the trends and the algorithms and things? Um, being a real saddle probably is the main thing. <laughs> I sit my wife in bed <laughs> at night and we just troll through TikToks together, which is an incredibly sad way to spend our time. But that's kind of took over, like, watching Netflix or just uh, chilling now and we'll just sit there in silence and laugh with each other when we find a nice TikTok. Um, but in terms of creation, like, I, I tend to... I would always recommend, like, for the videos, batch creation... Um, you can you can get five or six together in in no time at all in an hour. Like there's most of them. Unless there's the one that needs to change your clothes, but most of them aren't aren't too extreme and don't take very long. So so batch create. Um, keep a notebook. Keep I have a notepad on my phone, and if an idea pops in, it, sometimes a song will come on or I'll see something, and 
I can't do it right then. Like if I'm in London now, uh, walking the streets, I can't capture it, but I'll write it down and it's having that bank of stuff then to, to come back to really, really helps as well. Um, so yeah, and then, it, and then it's just, once you get into the groove, I find it comes more naturally that things, you, you're you not trying to look for things then almost, like the inspiration just, just comes along. So once you're in that groove, it's it's a lot easier then to, to keep producing. Yeah, nice. And I suppose you start to see what sort of things get more interaction, try m- more of that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and certainly with the TikTok, it's just trying to, if you if you really want to get the views on, on TikTok as the platform, it's being on with the trends. Like as soon as, as, soon as the song is is going viral like get a video on it like don't leave it a week like do it do it do it yeah and it's the perfect platform to like test things and see what yeah. sticks right because you're not going to get penalized for chucking a bunch of content out there that maybe gets only a handful of views but it will allow you to figure out what actually is going to resonate what's going to go quote unquote viral um which i think makes it a really good platform to just play around with and like find your voice yep nice and it's so Addictive as well. I, you, know, you find so yourself TikTok, it's yeah. like eleven thirty, and you're like, "Damn, I really should go to sleep." I would. Um, I have not looked at the numbers of hours that I spend on TikTok because it would be, it wouldn't be good. <laughs> <laughs> it's very addictive. Yeah, so a good place to be for brands then, with all these people sitting there, wasting away. Yeah, literally, <laughs> literally, yeah. The functionality of TikTok videos is great as well, and obviously. Like LinkedIn doesn't have anything like it. It actually launched that um, that stories ripoff feature. I think it was like twenty twenty. It lasted mm. for a year and then it just disappeared. A terrible, totally didn't take off. Terrible um, idea. <laughs> what's you cross post your TikToks onto LinkedIn though? What's your strategy then? And like, how does that work for you? Yeah, so um, I'll tend to like pump them out on TikTok and and like you say like you can you can try things you can you can do things more often and and the, the, it's a different kind of audience that you're looking for. In terms of cross posting on LinkedIn, I'll I'll build that batch and I'll I'll slow burn them onto LinkedIn as and when there's the the right time. Um, and there's a bit more strategy of certain things that I'm talking about at a certain time, so I have a bit of a content map. So there's a bit more of a plan on on releasing it, and I think. Some of the ways of doing it, then it's it's as important as to while the TikTok itself is is cool. I'll always put, well, most times put some kind of blurb behind it, some detail. So if we're talking about if it is particularly on like zero and and bank feeds or whatever, there's a bit of a blurb as sometimes it can be a bit technical, followed by a bit of a that TikTok. So um, it's it's tweaking that message really to get someone to to click that see more and and read the information. Maybe have a bit of a laugh at the, the video, but get some kind of a bit more value out of it than you get just from the from the TikTok. So that's why I, I've kind of tweaked it in for posting for LinkedIn, yeah, and that nice. seems to work really really well. But you can tell when they're going to fly. Like some people, some people say oh, I should post at certain times of day and blah blah blah. And there is some truth in that. that there are times that are enacted. But if you've got something that's good, I've posted things at nine o'clock on a Sunday night, and they have got like hundreds of thousands of views from because it was good and it's hit a nerve and and off it goes. So I'm I'm not one for like sitting there at all right, it's two PM, let's send it. It's like if the content's good enough, generally it'll it'll go. How do you decide what kind of topics to focus on? Is there any types of to- topics that really work for your audience? Well I do I kinda like have four pillars in terms of the way that I post. So I do humour, which generally has the biggest biggest reach and most most likes. I do uh, personal stuff, so whether that's, you know, 
like just touring London or whatever, or personal stories about my family and like my wife not being too well, like sharing the, the personal content. Again, that does really well in terms of in terms of reach. Then I do social proof. So that'll be like client reviews or client comments from meetings. So there's a bit more juice around that, there's a bit more substance. And the final one are technical posts, whether it's about like zero or the app stack or tax savings or plans. And they always get the least reach, but they're the ones that people often send a direct message to of like, oh, but it, so, so it's those four pillars and there's a strategy for like the humor and the personal stuff brings people in and gets to know me. And then they hopefully realize I know what I'm talking about, like but can have a bit of a laugh and, and then the, the DMs come from there. So, so that's the kind of broad, um, strategy and I'll just be careful not to lean too much broadly I try and cover each of those at least once a week but try not to lean too heavily into one over the course of a week so you, because I find there are some content creators that I would say were great on there are a bit a bit become a bit bland because it's the, it feels like it's the same over and over again so so having that variation is, is how I try and stay kind of current and and relevant for people. Jess, what do you think in terms of um, using different platforms for different kind of topics? Like, is there a certain kind of topic that does well on one and better on another? Definitely. But I think it's probably more so taking a step back and thinking about the audiences on each platform and thinking about what they want to see on that platform. So if you're thinking about an accounting firm, for example, who's going to follow you on Instagram and what type of stuff are they going to want to see on Instagram versus LinkedIn? It's going to be significantly different. If you even have an Instagram at all, you might actually decide, actually, this isn't the place that our audience or our customers or our prospects are actually going to want to engage with us, which is totally fine. My philosophy is like, it's kind of quality over quantity. So choose the platforms that make the most sense Put all of your effort into those as opposed to trying to be on every platform and doing kind of a mediocre job across all of them. Um, and then LinkedIn is the obvious one um, for accounting firms and accounting practices. It's obviously the professional platform, but it's grown so much over the last couple of years and evolved into this much more like lifestyle, like professional brand platform, way more features than it used to have. Um, so we see so much success on LinkedIn with Zero's social media accounts, but I generally am a massive fan of it because I just think it's a great place for that type of professional content. You're obviously not going to go and put like super, super irrelevant stuff on LinkedIn, but it's more and more becoming less just let's talk about work, more let's talk about work and life and how they all intermingle together. Yeah, it's definitely become a lot more human in recent yeah. years, hasn't it? Which is good because it, it's kind of, it could be quite dry. It was pretty dry for a while. Yeah, it was. Yeah, so it's nice to see that evolution. What's the benefit of cross-posting from one platform to another in your experience and where does it not work? The benefit of cross-posting is that it saves you a ton of time because you're not creating unique content for each platform. Um, the times when you perhaps shouldn't do it is when if one piece of content makes sense for one platform, it doesn't necessarily make sense for the other. So you can't just automatically by default put everything everywhere because it's not going to make sense. Something that's perhaps super, super informal and maybe really 
humorous and maybe a bit on the fly might not work for LinkedIn or might not be the type of content that your audience is expecting from you on LinkedIn and from your brand. But if it's more generic stuff and it's performed really well on one channel, then there's no harm in putting it on the other channel and seeing how it performs over there. Um, So there's no sort of hard and fast rule, but it's just thinking, does this actually make sense? And not just thinking, this is going to save me time, so I'm just going to chuck it up there. Thinking, this makes sense for this platform. Does it actually make sense for the other one? Could it work? Or am I just trying to like spray people with my content? Yeah. I think a lot of the... um all of the platforms seem like you can spread the formats of things a lot better now. Like it used to be that if you posted like a Instagram photo on Twitter or vice versa, it would like only show a portion of the image or something mm. or like, you know, you know when people type a post into LinkedIn and then they automatically also send it to their Twitter and then on their Twitter, it's like three sentences, oh, and then the it's like dot dot dot, horrendous. and then it links to a LinkedIn, <laughs> yeah. and you, and then you're like, what? And it's just so awful. Yeah. Like yeah. I feel like sometimes it works, and sometimes yeah. it doesn't. Yeah, I think it's just, just when like, it feels spammy, it yeah. gets. Yeah. Like, if you just create one and just send it to all your channels, it's just lazy, and it's just. And if someone's following those four, to get all four of the same video on all the same time on the same platforms, it's just like I lose interest, and I'm like, I'll unfollow mm. like those things. So. Yeah. Um. I think you've got to be really careful with that, for sure. Yeah, quality over quantity, Yeah, always. And if you've got the same piece of content, it's like looking at how you frame it differently yes. for different yeah. platforms and different audiences. Yeah, so you might be able to use the same video across all of your platforms, but the caption would be significantly different to make it work yeah. and make it make sense across all of them. That's usually what we do is like tweak it slightly, but try and put it across everything, but... Yeah, you don't just want to be blanket chucking everything everywhere because, yeah, it's going to be spammy and it's not going to break through. It's not going to perform well. And it's just going to be a waste of your time, really. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about social media trends. So jumping on to a new or emerging trend is like a great way to give your post the best chance of getting seen, especially if you're not putting paid digital promotion behind your content. So what can people do to stay up to date on trends, Jess, just so that they're creating content that's going to get attention from the right people? I think my first piece of advice would be to follow people either in your industry or even not in your industry that you see doing really cool, creative stuff on social media, because then by default, you're just seeing it, you're getting inspired, you're um, seeing what's working for them, you're getting ideas. And then you can go and go away and, and like Stuart said, like write it down for another day when you're going to create all of your content. Um, I think I would just try and like curate my social feeds. Well, this is what I do. I make sure that it's full of people that are doing really cool stuff and, you know, best in class social media. So I can see what they're doing and see what works. Um, because you can like, you can read industry news and you can, subscribe to newsletters and all of that stuff but you'll get overwhelmed with information and I don't think it's realistic if your job's not social media to actually you know read all of that stuff so just surrounding yourself with inspiration I think is the best way to do it yep 
I champion that that not mm. looking in your industry like yeah there are some great people in the industry don't get me wrong and, and I've, I've worked with always but some of the biggest inspirations are from completely different industries completely different videos and it's and it's how can I bring that flavour or their style into for me into the account industry so like a ton of my TikToks are ripped off from from husband and wife TikToks originally and I reposition it as actually like accountant and client or something like that kind of thing so um, for me yeah look beyond the the standard kind of accounting industry would be where I'd start. 100%. Because I feel like um, at times, perhaps the accounting industry isn't the most creative on social media. So How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> no offence. And so looking at what other brands and other um, social media influencers are doing, that's a really good way to create content that people in the industry haven't seen before. If you're using that as inspiration from even like a B2C brand that's doing really cool stuff on social media, flipping that and making it work for accounting, it's instantly going to be more yeah. creative. It amazes me how many people say, oh, God, that was a fresh idea to me. Mm. Oh, that was great. And it's like, it isn't. There's like there's 50,000 yeah. videos, people that are doing <laughs> that on that platform on completely different things. Like it's not a great deal of stuff I do is, I would say, particularly unique to the trends and things that go in viral. It's just in my industry like it. And a lot of those business owners don't hang out there and don't see it. So, um, If you're not confident doing video on social, what other types of posts can people consider? Yeah, so I think the, the thing, you'll see it on your feeds. It's just full of video. Like video is the, the hot, I guess, content type that um, cuts through at the moment. And that's what all of the platforms are um, prioritizing in terms of the algorithm. But... Not everyone is, you know, natural in front of the camera. Not everyone has the time or the skills to like whip up a little video. So there are heaps of other things that you can do, but on LinkedIn in particular, polls are so good for engagement. Um, they introduced them, I don't know, like maybe six to eight months ago. And they're, they're so easy. And the key to them is the simplicity. So just asking a really simple question. If people can just go click yes or no, or share their opinion really simply, you get, it. it's an amazing conversation starter. I think there was one we did for this first season of the podcast, which was around flexible working. I think it's like the most successful poll we've ever done on zero social channels. And it had, I think like over 6,000 votes completely organic like we didn't put any money behind that and it just I think it's a really um impactful like content type on LinkedIn at the moment yeah and giving people the third option to neither of these yeah leave us a comment it's a great conversation starter because you're asking a question you're giving people a couple of options people will often they'll vote but then they'll want to explain why they they said why they chose the option that they chose or their option won't be there so they'll they'll say it in the comments so it was a perfect conversation starter it's, it's good yeah there are plenty of great posters that just do text like don't don't post you yeah. very rarely see any pictures or any any videos and it's about let's say finding what works and there are others yeah that, as at time of recording the whole selfie duck pout like he's he's going crazy on there i can't stand it there's one guy in particular that drives me absolutely bonkers with it but he gets amazing engagement i know he's growing his business like it's it's working for him and it's attracting his tribe so good on him go for it 
but oh, it drives me bonkers. But it's it's finding what works. Yeah. yeah. So why do you think it's so important to be creative and unique on social? There's so much noise on social media. Like you'll see it on your own feeds, and if you're creating content that looks the same as everyone else's or is um, not particularly interesting, people are just going to scroll past. Like if you think about how you use social media and how you're just scrolling and then something will catch your eye, that's what you're trying to create. You're trying to essentially stop the scroll is what we like to say. So if you're creating something that's a little bit more creative, that's a little bit different, that hooks people in straight away, that's going to make them stop. And then your performance is going to be so much better. If it's, this is why I always harp on about quality over quantity, because there's no point in putting out bland content that people are just going to scroll past because it just won't, it just doesn't work. Yeah. And I'd say like it does when we talk about being creative for me, it, yeah, I do prance around dance sometimes and do stupid videos and, and that's cool. But I can appreciate that isn't for like every accountant to to want to do that. It doesn't need to be that for me. There are some some great creators on there, and it's all about the stories of how they've whether it's helped clients or been in situations, and and sometimes some of the to stop the scroll, it's it's like tell the story, like yeah. get that connection, and 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 for me, accountants are in such a prime price with so many stories and so many businesses that they've helped out or changed lives of, and. I don't think many of them do a very good job of of telling that story to the world and um if you can if you can if you can just master that without doing anything crazy then then you'll get a lot of eyes on you on your posts. Yeah. yeah. I think it's all about the key is like authenticity, right? And that what is authentic to you could look completely different to what is authentic to someone else. So being in front of the camera and making jokes is something that's quite comfortable to you and that works. On the other hand, it for someone else, it might be talking about what they're really passionate about and, yeah, telling the story of that. But that's where you're going to actually connect with people because social media, I mean, the clue is in the name. It's about being social. It's about connecting with people and engaging with your community and your customers. So trying to bring that, like, human, like, people element to it is kind of the key to success, I think. Yeah, find your tribe. That's, yeah. That's kind of... I think I think I remember if it was in the chimp paradox. It's like twenty percent of people naturally will like you, twenty percent won't like you, and sixty percent are kind of like meh, all right, and find that twenty percent that that love what you do, and and that's what like my content is all about. Mm. Just trying to find those people and and try not to worry too much about about the others. Yep, and that obviously works for you, Stuart, because you've done some amazing work in terms of acquisition through social, haven't you? Yeah, like numbers-wise, we've done over half a million pounds. Personally, I've done over half a million pounds in the last 18 months from LinkedIn alone on top of like, the staff hires. So like the return on investment for me is it's a no-brainer. Like It's the easiest way to, to get reach out there. And then it also supports, you know, I do some more traditional like networking as a lot of accountants do at events, and it is mental that the number of people that come up to me or know me at those events that know my life story and I've never actually met them because of the of the socials and if I do network with someone and I'll I'll always be I've got my QR code connect with me on LinkedIn and then it, it, it feeds that right well they get to learn about me what we do and I might not see them for another three months of the next event but they've learned a hell of a lot about me and, and what I'm about and it, it even supports the more traditional 
like networking for acquisition of clients than just going to an event at once a week and not posting. So for me, so like it's not social in isolation. And if you if you take the networking and the, the LinkedIn, like not far off a million pounds in terms of like work run over eighteen months and that's that's an army of one. That's me. Like that's not the firm if you like and there are other people that are, that are doing great things as well. So um it's like for me it's like a real open goal at the moment and yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, like How do you measure that? Um, so, well, in terms of pure cold hard uh, numbers, HubSpot, CRM wise, everything is tracked in terms of like for all the squad of like when we get direct messages, like where leads have come from. Is it LinkedIn direct? Is it networking? Is it our website? We've got um, an instant quote. So all of that is tracked. And then is it um, recurring business? What's the value of that? Is it one shot? So we can even split the, the one off on the recurring income. And sometimes it's a little bit blurry, like I say, of, of where that lead has come from. But um, we all, a part of that onboarding, it's asking that question to the client of what was it that, that, that tipped you over, if you like, to, to reach out. So even if it didn't come directly sometimes. Um, so it's all tracked. So we've got kind of like the, there are probably four or five kind of sales people or business development people in our organization that, that are accountants but 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 lead the charge and and they're plugged into to hubspot for that so i could, like yeah we've got cold hard facts on some of the numbers as well as like for me i love i learn loads from it as well like i've learned so much from so many businesses and and, and met so many fantastic people and like half of the zero community i'd met first from social media so it, there's a it's not all about the cold hard cash and, and increasing the turnover it's about meeting fantastic people learning new things and everything from i don't know daily bookkeeping to kind of some of the app stack or like so much of that came from social media so um for me the the, the what i got of it, it just yeah be, almost beyond words really it's i, I would literally say it's the, the most important part of of my role at accounts and legal totally with you it's so important to us at zero as well we we use it a lot to connect with our community, like all of us as individuals, but also obviously through the Zero channel. And yeah, the community that we've sort of got is so strong on social and, you know, you feel like you can go, you know, months without seeing someone, but then, you know, I see you, Stuart, and I know exactly what you've been up yeah. to and we can catch up on, on all those things because of social. So yeah, it's awesome. So personal branding really seems to be taking off in accountancy and you're a really good example of that, Stuart. So whether it's directors, partners or founders of firms demonstrating their expertise um, or individuals within firms looking to sort of build connections with clients and prospects, what's your take on personal branding for accountants and bookkeepers versus practice branding? What are some of the key considerations here, do you think? So I think uh, personal branding for accountants can be really impactful if you're starting out a new firm or you're trying to grow your firm because at that point your accounting practice brand won't have much recognition and it's really easy to put yourself out there on LinkedIn in particular and share your expertise, allow people to get to know you and that can help in turn lift up the practice brand. I think the thing that you need to consider is if you're growing your practice you, you don't want to be too closely tied to one person because you it's it's kind of slight, it's a risky situation if that person decides to leave and all of your sort of brand equity is tied into that person um, then that's going to be a challenge for your brand so at the start when you're trying to grow 
amazing. And then as you get bigger, then it should be more about, okay, how do we represent the brand as a whole? How do we bring multiple faces into it? How do we, um, you know, tap into those those values of, of the brand as opposed to just the person? And that doesn't mean that the founder or or whoever can't still have a significant presence, but it's about then lifting up that brand as well so that it's not just the person and their professional brand, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stuart, what's your take on personal branding? Is it something that you actively think about for yourself and your team at Accounts and Legal? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's, it, it's 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 really powerful to have that personal brand. And, you know, we always say, like, people buy from people. like So So making that connection. And, and, and we've got different personalities at A&L, and while I might be the... the loudest and biggest cheerleader there are a few people now that that post on there and and get their own personalities across so that if if i'm not your cup of tea there's probably someone else in our firm that that will resonate a bit better so um we we encourage all the guys to 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 show themselves if you like for the type of people that they are and and the things that they enjoy um is encouraged I think, like, say, as you get a lot bigger and bigger a firm, it gets harder and harder to. There are almost more rules of the game that are required, and yeah. and branding values. And you know, I used to work at a top twenty firm, and I know, you know, they won't mind me saying this. They they served huge audit clients of multi million pounds and small cash books at one end, and some of the stuff that I was projecting is aggressive against like dinosaur accountants and once a year and and things like that, and and some of that. They served some of those people and, and, and had shoebox clients and they were okay with that. And it was kind of like, well, you can't go slagging those people off when our client base is, is that. And that gets really complicated then the, the the bigger you get. But for for the for the smaller firms or the niches and yeah, like Cheryl at Pink Pig is a great example of like, she's nailed on. Like I can tell she's, you know, a, a, a mother. She works with lots of females. She works with similar business owners that, I've got children. Um, you can be you can be really really strong on that. That the, the smaller you are, really, and it's not until you get multinational that it gets trickier and trickier. Yeah, I'd like to see you and Max doing some TikTok dances. We've got an Elton John one planned. Ones. We've got an Elton John one planned. So yeah, <laughs> I was going to suggest the Megan Trainor one, but by the time this goes live, people will have forgotten about that, and there'll <laughs> yeah. be a whole new dance. Jess, using social media as part of your marketing strategy can be really powerful. Is social something that brands can dabble with or do you think they really have to go all in? I'm probably biased given that I work in social media. <laughs> I think um, I think brands and companies should take social media really seriously. I don't think these days it is the type of thing that you should just dabble in. It's a legitimate channel for marketing. Um, Back in the day, it was, you know, just posting pictures of your friends and it was a bit silly and nobody really took it seriously. And I think there is still a little bit of a perception of of that today. But it's a really important marketing channel. So if you are a company and you're looking at your marketing strategy to not consider social media seriously... I think it is um, is a bad move. Yeah, especially if you're looking to grow. I feel like yeah. if if you've got prospects that are sort of looking for you online, if you're not on social, do you even exist? Yeah, 
it's just like one of the many uh, considerations for your marketing strategy. If you want to have, you know, ticking all of your boxes, um, it's it's no longer just a a nice to have. Let's just fiddle around and see what sticks. It's it's legitimate. It's a legitimate way of growing your business. Yeah. Yeah. I think there are two points to it as well. Of like, yeah, you're right. You said earlier about being consistent and posting regularly and and not. You can't do it for two weeks and go. It's not worked and leave it. Like you see, I see so many firms that do it for a month and then and then it goes dry and goes quiet. And it's like you've you've not given it enough time. And mm-hmm. it was it, my old firm. It was six months of of me posting and and building that kind of like brand before I even got one lead. And then it started to really really get going. So it, like give it. You need to give it a solid six months minimum of of building that brand, getting used to what works, what doesn't before you even think about kind of like seeing turn it into numbers but for a lot of people i think they'll do it for a month tops and go it's not working it's not worth the time and and bin it off Um, yeah and i think this comes from the the thought that it's just it's easy and it's just chucking something on on linkedin and no big deal so people don't put a proper plan in place but you're never going to have success on social media if you don't have a plan like you would for your email marketing strategy or you know your offline marketing strategy it should be approached in that same like very logical way what do we want to get out of it what can we achieve realistically like you don't have to be posting every day if that's not something that you can feasibly manage it's just about consistency so it's like okay we're going to post even once every couple of weeks or once a month is fine if you have a plan and you know what your messaging is and you know you're connecting with your audience that's going to be so much more successful than going oh let's give this social media thing a go we'll chuck a couple of things up oh it didn't work i'm done now mm. <laughs> you know and, and i think the other thing is for me social media and i'm guilty of this sometimes is it's the first when you're busy it's the first thing to all leave that we'll cut that out we'll yeah. cut that out we've got a deadline we've got an account deadline and and it doesn't get the importance it deserves because that that is what grows the pipeline that is what that is what can can really you know accelerate growth and and i've this as well too many times of going over oh, right well i've busy day right i'll cut the tiktoks out i'll cut that hour for doing videos and and it's i think a change of mindset for people that, it, that it's as important as as the account deadlines kind of thing in terms yeah. of keeping things moving and as soon as you stop as soon as you give it a few weeks off like the momentum you lose and, and the time it takes to get that back is is like tenfold in terms of um just keeping it going so the other my other kind of tip around that is just get that time in the diary and commit to it and and stick to it like do not fob it off for because a, a, one of your clients is is screaming down the phone <laughs> yeah nice all right so Let's sort of leave our listeners on on a few tips. You've just given us one, but what's one or two more things that people can think about if they're sort of not super confident on social right now, or they're just starting to dabble? What the, what should they be doing? Um, I mean, I'd say just look at have a look at what kind of content you like, what kind of creators you like, um, and have a look at why why it is what it is they're posting that you're you're enjoying. And you know, mine started from um, Laura Taylor, like who's completely different to me, like he's very technically, like very story driven, really, really good, and and she's had great success, and is 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 the black and white to me completely, completely different. But, um, but it was it was finding, and I started like that almost as if you look at my original post, like they were, I was a copycat of her almost, a bad copycat, 
but over time you start to start to find your voice so so look at what you like and what works and, and why it doesn't um stay consistent block out time to do it and and give it six months to find the results really um and ask for help collaborate like there are i mean i've helped a few accountants mad enough to come and ask me for for support but the the community and the the, the cloud accountant and zero community are so helpful that um if you know lots of people will spend 30 minutes or so just just helping out and, and pointing you in the right path as well so um and finally maybe don't be afraid afraid to play with with different areas there's there's linkedin there's tiktok there's insta have a have a play around with them all to find you find your feet there's no there's no harm in in that um before you need to kind of commit down that, that one channel yep nice how about you jess um i think my one piece of advice or my first piece of advice should i say is stop using social media to try and get sales as your like only objective stop posting ads on social media nobody wants to engage with that instead sure we're going to use social media as a marketing tool but we need to think about the other things that we can share that make sense that are inherently social inherently connecting people with people that's the stuff that's going to get you sales just chucking an ad on your feed that says these are the services we offer is not going to cut the mustard it's not going to stop people scrolling and it doesn't tell them it doesn't tell your audience anything about who you are what you believe in what your values are what you can offer them so instead think about okay how can we bring our culture to life how can we um, share knowledge in like a really easy to digest way how can we talk about the things that we're really passionate about um, how can we share the stories of the clients that we're working with and the difference that we're having all of that sort of stuff then leads on to the sales piece as opposed to just jumping in and going oh i'm gonna you know ask people to use my services like it's not gonna work yeah i oh, um one yeah brucey bonus point on that that you just triggered with, with you saying that is i find that when i speak to accountants or, or business owners when they're trying to help them with their marketing even i say like what are your three usps what makes you different as a business what is it that's so good and they can't they can't concisely give me three usps and i always think if if you don't know that now like what hope have you got of of telling the world that that what makes you different? And you know, for us, it's we're more than once a year that dinosaur account and that quality catch ups. Use tech to automate the hell out of everything, and we've got a legal service and can be outsourced finance and legal. Like it's bang, bang, bang. Those are the three, and I will push that and use that and get get that as a foundation. Like that, that then it's not yeah buy my stuff. It's yeah. like this is what makes us really cool and and unique. And yeah, I'm amazed by business owners generally can't give me something like that off the bat yeah i think another piece of advice would be like to ask people to click away to view a landing page to view a website to view a blog that's a really big ask when someone's just scrolling on social media like if you think about your behavior when you're using social media you're just looking for something to entertain you that's the crux of it really you're looking for something that piques your interest so thinking about what you want to say and how you can say it and communicate that directly on the feed so that people don't have to click away anywhere. Like I think that's the number one mistake I see all the time is people putting all of their really good content 
hidden away on a blog and no one's going to click it. You might get a handful of clicks, but figuring out the way to bring that content to life actually on social media so people just see it. Like our attention span is, is so short and social media is making it even shorter. So you need to show the people the stuff directly on that platform. Yeah. And it's often not an immediate response either, is it? It's often telling them about a thing so that they can go and, you know, navigate their way there later on. Move away from the hard sell. Make it more about connecting with people and entertaining them, giving them something valuable. Like, you're obviously not going to give away all of your secrets, but giving them a little tidbit that makes them want to find out more or makes them think, hmm, maybe they could help me. Like that's where social media has a really good um, part to play in your like overall sort of sales and marketing pipeline. I think at the end of the day, um, people often forget that social media is, I mean, it's in the title. It's about being social. So use that as the driving force for what you're deciding to put on there. People want to connect with people. And that's what social media is for. It's for creating community and having conversations and like think about the types of things that you talk with your clients about in person and they think how can I create a social media post around that sort of stuff it should be the same or similar because that's going to be a super authentic and that's going to connect with people more awesome well thank you to you both So we're not doing the word association game anymore, uh, as we did in season one. We're doing a new thing, and it's called Would You Rather. So um, so I'm going to ask you three questions, and you can just tell me the answers when you're ready. So Jess, would you rather live in the hottest or the coldest country on earth? Oh, that's tricky. I love the heat, but... The hottest would be quite uncomfortable. I think I'm going to have to go with coldest because you can just put layers on, you know. But you can't. There's only so many layers you can take off and then you're still going to be sweltering. That's my that's my logic. Fair. <laughs> what about you, Stuart? I'd be upset. I'd work in the hottest. Work naked, be fine. Sorry. <laughs> Jobs are good. Um, yeah, hottest every time. I'm not good in the cold. I get yeah. so flustered when I get too hot. I think I would just be flustered all the time. But, I mean, being by the beach would be nice, but I don't think it would. Yeah. You might not even be by the beach. I know, exactly. You might be in the middle of the desert, which would be awful, I think. Yeah, so that's something you've got to think through (laughs) if you're ever struck with this (laughs) dilemma. This decision. Um, Okay, would you rather time travel back to the past or forward to the future? Stuart, you go first. Future, every day of the week, yeah. Why? It's a bit more exciting, isn't it? It's a bit more, you know. I want to see what's what's next. What's next? I'd be the. I'm, I'm instantly thinking about Martin McFly and Back to the Future. I want the hoverboard. That's what I'm after. I want some hoverboard and, um, yeah, Jaws 3D. That's what I'm looking forward to. You know, yeah. if we're thinking about Back to the Future, the hoverboard should be now. In, indeed, indeed. Very disappointing. They got that mm. one wrong, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. What about you, Jess? These are some really deep questions. <laughs> I. I think it would be the future, but I'm not super confident with that answer. <laughs> because what if the future's bad? I don't know. Yeah, see, that's the thing. <laughs> Do you want to know? Yeah, you might end up like, I kind of think of like Wall- Wally, the movie with the animated robot. 
and that's in the future and that's really depressing and like quite sad and that would be sad if you went to the future and then you saw that was what the future was yeah when but maybe I, it would be great and that would be good but yeah when I asked people in the office yesterday, they said, oh, definitely back to the past. And then I'd get all the lotto numbers and I'd basically be rich. And I was like, that's pretty smart. So that's I'd probably steal answer. their ideas. See, yeah. If I went back to the past, I don't know. I'd be like, mm. I'd be scared of like standing on a ant or something and it changing history forever. And then it's <laughs> <laughs> in that classic, do you know what I mean? Butterfly effect, yeah. So So yeah. many things to think about with this question. I'm going to go all bag of nerves. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> all right. Um, Jess, you'll never guess this question. Would you rather have someone read your childhood diary, if you didn't have one, Stuart, pretend that you did, or watch Come Dine With Me every day for the next year? <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to go with the diary because I think it would be good lols. I think it would be funny to read the diary. And, you know, it would create some great content. <laughs> <laughs> nice. True, risky. Yeah. I'd go the other way, I think. I'd have watched Come Down Me. I'm not... Yeah, it's not a bad show. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd, every I'd day it. for a year? Oh I've God, probably not done far off at some points in my life. Yeah. I probably, yeah. Um, I've probably done the odd binge. What's the other one? The hotel one's another one. Is it four in a bed? Oh, yeah. That's another classic one. I've binged <laughs> that far too much. So if I could twin it with that, make a double whammy, absolutely. And I, I should have been more be specific. I should have been more specific because in my head I thought you could... Only watch Come Down With Me for the next oh, year. Oh, yeah, that's different. And Ooh, yeah, that's I tested, way more painful. I chose, yeah. I chose that TV show because I asked Jess what the worst TV show is. And that was the and first one that came to mind. Nice. So, nice. Um, but I'm not super familiar with British television, you know, no. so there's probably worse ones. Oh, yeah. yeah. Come Down With Me is all right. It's got, yeah. I was going to choose Strictly so Come Dancing, uh, but yeah, that would actually be The ones that would be a definite no for me, your Coronation Street, your Emmerdale, your Soaps, is like, if I was stuck with them, right, forget it, right? You can you can read whatever diary you want over watching those, 100%. I don't know, I get so into them sometimes. Um, okay, final question. If you could start any business, what type of business would you start, Jess? If I could start any business, I think it would have to be something sustainably focused, um, just something that's going to try and make the world a better place. That sounds really like cheesy and lame, but something that that um, helps the environment and helps the people that live in the environment as well. I don't have any specifics, but I think that would be it. Awesome. Stuart? My purpose isn't as, as big or juicy as that one. I'm going to sound really crap now. Maybe you should have done me first here. Um, <laughs> something, I would just like the company that made board games or some kind of like old school retro computer games. Like that's my little heaven and my... One day I want to make a sad little board game with me in it, but it's, it's on the amazing. list that, yeah. So the company that did that would be banging. I feel amazing. like my answer was like I was on like a pageant at Miss World. <laughs> being like, I, I want it. world peace. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um... It's like board game cafes. Do you go to those? I do, yeah. I do, yeah. Yeah, my house is almost one with the amount that uh, are in there, to be honest. So board yeah. games and escape rooms am I. That'd be another one, another one. I'd have a board game company that also had, like, escape rooms rocking in it as well. Like, there'd have to be some kind of hybrid thing for that. Because, yeah. I, I am sad enough to go around the country that whenever we go anywhere, it's like, where's the escape room? So, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Excellent. Well, that wraps us up for... Uh, this episode so thank you so much to you both for joining us today thanks for thank having you us it's fun you've been listening to beyond numbers brought to you by zero produced by birdline media 
If you heard something that caught your attention, share the episode with your colleagues so they can listen too. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.